All right, friends, let's get ready to rumble! What's up, people? Today is Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Welcome to episode number 309 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, as I get centered on camera here, me, you, Joel Belton, Jeff Fuller, William Welch, Carrie, Terrence Banks, Cyber Cruz, and so many more of the Simply Cyber community are going to be ripping, shredding, tearing apart the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And I will be offering up my opinion, my expert analysis, my thoughts, my speculation. Get your tinfoil hats ready sometimes <laughs> on those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it this week at work or next week at work? Macro level, budget planning, 2023. Or if you're looking to break in the industry, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, take note of this. You will be asked in every single interview for any cyber job, how do you stay current in the industry? This right here is the answer. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. We do it every single weekday morning. We're having a good time doing it. Thank you all, Simply Cyber Community. But before we get into it, you know what we got to do. Want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, Casually Joseph, and the whole crew at Barricade Cyber solutions barricadecyber.com barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hard-working business owners into turmoil but guess what y'all barricade cyber solutions they know how to mitigate the damage done they have the keys to success and can help thwart the damage done by cyber incidents Check them out at barricadecyber.com. They are the salve for the burn that is cybercrime for your business, okay? I know that's a lot and you really don't feel the pain and frustration and um, just, you ever had a rug burn on your knee and it's just like, oh my God, that hurts so bad. That's what getting popped by a cyber criminal is. And Eric Taylor is basically aloe vera personified he is liquid aloe vera right he makes it feel better and i know it all sounds silly but trust me if you go to barricadecyber.com and get on their calendar right now you could talk to eric as early as noon today have a plan yo if something happens to my business what can barricade cyber do well let me tell you what we can do do you have auditing in place do you have logs can i just give me a an account into your o365 instance we'll disable it so I won't have access. But if things happen and get squirrely and sideways, activate it and we don't have to go through the access control process while you're actively on fire. We can just get down to business. So check out barricadecyber.com, links in the description below. Also wanna say shout out and much love to IT Pro TV. Simply Cyber is proud to be affiliated with IT Pro. Excellent, excellent course content. Guys, do all the free things first. But if you're looking to save time, have great content aggregated and curated in a way that makes sense and is delivered to you by experts in the industry, including Daniel Lowry. Love that guy. Check out IT Pro TV. Uh, I'll, I'll drop a link in chat. If you use the code SimplyCyber30 at checkout, you'll get 30% off, which is always all about good times. Reminder, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. If you're holding cybersecurity certifications, that's important to you. Be sure to say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team Live if you're here with us live. I see 104 of you friends. Hello, friends. 104 of you right now. We're going to keep growing as the stream goes on. Hashtag Team Replay if you're on the replay. I will talk about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge at the mid-roll. I saw some Team Replay people um, with... <laughs> Uh, requesting access to that uh, opportunity, and I've got some thoughts on it. We'll work on it as a community together. Hashtag Team Hybrid. If you're getting here late and trying to catch up, do 2x to get to us live, and we'll see you when you catch up to us. Also, big, big shout out and love to the new group that we're identifying. Hashtag Passive Observer. If you're a lurker, if you've been part of the Simply Cyber community for some time, and you haven't been actively engaging, networking, because you feel a little awkward, introverted, uh, I'm not sure what to say. Hey, you know what? Hashtag passive observer. Own it. Lean into it. I'm telling you, you are going to be so happy that you've broke free of that mo of that of that um, 
paradigm, I guess, and become part of the group. You see us every day. People are wicked inclusive, wicked supportive in here. If you're not inclusive and supportive, I got news for you. You get bounced by the mods or by me. We don't tolerate that kind of crap up in the Simply Cyber community. It's all about good times or you're just go find somewhere else to hang out. Now, my friends, it is What's Your Meme Thursday, so we'll be digging into that. Um, at the mid-roll along with a couple other things. But right now, sit back, relax, and let the cool <laughs> let the cool sounds of cybersecurity news wash over you with an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Thursday, February 23rd, 2023. Threat actors cry havoc. Let's slip a new post-exploitation framework. Oops. Use of legitimate red team software by threat actors isn't anything new. Cobalt Strike remains the de rigueur framework for many threat groups. But Zscaler recently released a report showing the rise in the open source framework Havoc. The company found it included advanced evasion capabilities. It was able to get around most versions of Windows 11 Defender, for example. It installs hack demon agents similar to beacons in Cobalt Strike to achieve persistence and deliver further payloads. Zscaler saw the framework in action in a January 2023 attack on a government organization. Wow. Okay, so a couple things here. One, Jeremy Williams. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much for the super chat, Jeremy. I hope everything's going well on the boo-boo bus uh, and your transition into the cyber field. Also, I saw a couple hashtag passive observers. Oh, welcome to the party. Um, okay, so the first story is about Havoc, uh, a, a C2 uh, post-exploitation framework. Really quickly. Guys, when a threat actor, just to use some quick terminology for people who may not be well-versed in this, when you when a threat actor pops your box or gets into your organization, steals creds, spear fishes, whatever it is, right? Boom, I'm in your, I'm in, hey, hey, wait, let me do. Look at me, look at me, look at me, sure. I'm the captain now. Right? When I'm the captain now, when I'm up in your organization, one of the very first things you want to do if you're like legit is drop a post-exploitation framework. Why? Because it allows you to do command and control. It allows you to see, like as a threat actor, it allows you to see the scope of what you've taken over, right? Because you'll start moving laterally. You're not just going to own Carl's box, right? You're going to pivot from Carl's box and start finding critical assets, etc., right? And you need a way to manage all of that. This is where these post-exploitation frameworks, and for years, Cobalt Strike has been the darling of the threat actor space, and it's a legit tool because pen testers, red teamers, professional offensive security people need these frameworks also, right? And threat actors have just basically pirated the software or um, set up shell companies and got access to those post-exploitation frameworks. But because Cobalt Strike is the darling of the industry, um, people have been able to identify indicators of compromise, fingerprints, techniques. This is what beaconing looks like for that, right? So Cobalt Strike is basically all up in everybody's radar, right? It's like it's like the um, uh, like a red Ferrari, and we're all the state police. And it's like, bro, if you see the red Ferrari coming down the highway, like chances are it's probably you know, doing 200 miles an hour and we need, or excuse me, red Lamborghini, right? We're all team Lambo over here, right? It's probably a problem. So threat actors have begun pivoting. And I might add quite rapidly, at least from my perspective to sliver and brute retell. And now it sounds like havoc is getting on the scene. So it's just another framework. Uh, like we've seen stories the last two, three months of sliver and brute retell. I think sliver is open source. I think it's also made in rust, um, which, you know, whatever, Rust is like the new hotness for programming languages. The point here is threat actors are pivoting away from Cobalt Strike, which is no surprise because they're getting caught more often and pivoting into these other frameworks. Now, I am not a C2 expert. If you look at, um, if you look at, oh gosh, what's his name? George Orchiles, okay? Um, he, he used to be with uh, Scythe, George Orchiles. Uh, let me see this. This guy's awesome, okay? Um, this guy right here, Georgia Chili's, right? I'm not sure where he is. He's principal SANS instructor. He's written a book. Um, looks like he's just with SANS right now. Uh, let me see. He went to Stanford. Ooh, big boss moves. But he's involved with like this C2 framework thing. I wish I could find it. Ugh. 
let me let me do this really quickly. Uh, George, or Ch I, I wouldn't normally waste your time with this unless it was important, um, because he's definitely a leader in this space. Yes, here it is, the C2Matrix.com. I'll drop a link in chat. Okay, look, there's George. George's beautiful face. Check this out. If if this is something that's interesting to you and you want to know more about post-exploitation frameworks and you are either want to be a pen tester or you want to get well-versed in this whole thing, um, this is not an area of my strength. But I do know that there are different frameworks. There's Bryson Bort. Uh, we know Bryson. He came on the channel a couple weeks ago. Um, this is a great location to get some in information and get some material. It says, we're in the golden age of C2 frameworks. The goal of this site is to point you to the best frameworks for your needs for adversary emulation, okay? So TLDR, threat actors are pivoting on their post-exploitation frameworks. You need to have um, not brittle detections. You need more resilient detections to detect things like beaconing. You could check out the Rita tool from Black Hills Information Security. Um, lateral movement, all, all the things that would be in these post-exploitation frameworks. Do not, brittle detections are when you're specifically targeting things that Cobalt Strike does only. That is brittle, and that's why the threat actors are pivoting. So be mindful of that. Holla! VMware warns of critical carbon black flaw. The company released a critical security upgrade to several versions of its- Hold on one second. Johnny says it's pronounced Orkiles. Is it? George Orkiles? All right, well- Thank you, uh, Johnny. If Carbon Black app control for Windows. The suite helps make sure organizations operate endpoints only running trusted software. However, security analyst Jari Jaskela discovered a critical injection vulnerability that could allow for accessing the underlying server OS. The exploit does require privileged access to the app control administration console. VMware did not offer other mitigations or workarounds. It's also not clear if the flaw is under active exploitation. All right. Rant so this is interesting. Hold on. I just want to look into this because I have an immediate thought. But okay. So Carbon Black is an endpoint. Um, like I'm almost positive. Carbon App. Uh, Carbon App. Carbon Black is an endpoint detection response tool. It's very, very good. It basically stops malware from running on your boxes. It can detect malicious activity. Uh, it can respond proactively or report up to a central console and let SOC analysts, incident responders handle that. They also have a functionality that basically um, clears apps to run. So think of Emmet, E-M-E-T, back in the day. Um, it's saying like only these apps are approved to run. Now, there is a critical flaw in the app itself that would allow threat actors to access the underlying operating system that's running Carbon Black. So this is a compromise of the system. What I originally thought was that threat actors could actually control the Carbon Black app, which if you could control that, all you would want to do is make your malware an approved piece of software, and then it'll run ragged through the entire environment, right? Imagine if you will, you said, oh, my ransomware or my info stealer malware is approved and then you could deploy it everywhere and Carbon Black would gladly let it run on all the endpoints, right? So that would be a major problem. That does not look like it's the problem here. It looks like that you could just access the underlying operating system. You can see that it is a 9.1 out of 10, which is fairly high. You wanna be careful with these things. Um, Carbon Black is a security company, so I would have to imagine that they are all over this uh, issue and making their users, their customer base, very, very aware of what this is and what they need to do in order to remediate it. Um, so VMware Carbon Black. So did VMware buy Carbon Black? Am I, am I making a mistake with Carbon Black as an EDR? Hold on one second. Maybe I'm stupid. Uh, yeah, no, it's endpoint security. So I guess VMware purchased them at some point just to get in on the uh, the, the the market, right? I haven't worked in an environment with uh, Carbon Black, so yeah, I guess VMware just bought them, dude. There's like such a gross like um, amalgamation of like big corporate just sucking up. All, all of like 
all of the technologies all like it's it's turning into monopolies okay so anyways long story short if you're rubbing carbon black be mindful of this you're carbon black vmware they probably contacted you already where attack time shrinking rapidly ibm released its x-force threat intelligence index the report found that the time to orchestrate a ransomware attack shrank rapidly in recent years in 2019 the average ransomware deployment sat at over 60 days in 2020 that fell to 9.5 days further falling to 3.85 days in 2021 the report also found that ransomware represented 17% of all attacks in 2022, while business email compromise represented 6% of attacks. Even when not using ransomware, IBM commonly saw extortion attempts across all attack types, seen in 27% of all attacks. That did see significant regional variability, with Europe seeing extortion attempts in 44% of attacks. All right, so a lot of good information here. Um, I will tell you that the IBM Security X-Force uh, is legit, right? So they're very legit. So this report is definitely based, and I dropped a link in chat for all y'all. This report is definitely grounded in real hard data. This is not a vendor like skewing numbers or, or cherry picking statistics in order to help sell their product. This is, um, you know, kind of a look of the land based on the telemetry that IBM Security X-Force has picked up. Uh, between this report and Verizon data breach incident, uh, incident report, the uh, VB, VDB, VDBIR report, which I love. That's my favorite industry report all year long. I know, I know it sounds funny to have a favorite industry report, but trust me, the Verizon data breach incident report is excellent. Uh, this one's really good too. And uh, like I said, guys, I'm doing a talk in San Diego in April on ransomware and business email compromise. And like, this thing is just rich with data points like this is a slide this is a slide like you can also if if you know if you're um if you've been working in the industry a while you have some context of year over year metrics and stuff guys 17 percent of all attacks in 2022 were ransomware that's pretty low like you may not know that right you might be looking at that and say in a vacuum like okay 17 percent. what the hell does that do for me here's the thing dude like ransomware reigns supreme as far as cyber attacks go the last couple of years. So to see only 17%, this is very interesting. Also only 6% for business email compromise, also very interesting. Now for some, you know, for nerdy people like me, I actually want to dig into the metrics and, and look. So this only accounts for 23% total of attacks in 2022. So I want to see what are the other categories? Because maybe, I don't know, like if they qualify phishing as an attack, well, it's way easier to do phishing and have it successful than ransomware because ransomware actually typically comes downstream from a phishing attack. So maybe, maybe the way that they categorize the attacks would help explain this and maybe I'm misunderstanding this, but if these are attacks like denial of service attack and um, you know physical security attack and misconfigured database uh, exfil, data exfil, well then 17% of ransomware is incredibly low. And I've been saying it on the channel for like a month now, we're not winning the war against ransomware, but we've won some key battles lately. We just saw yesterday, Harbit Ransomware Threat Actor Group is not doing double exfil. They're only asking for the ransom. So there's a recession on the ransomware actor side around what they're asking for. We're seeing uh, payments be less paid less often. Insurance companies aren't paying. The FBI is asking businesses not to pay. The cryptocurrency market is crashed. So the value of doing these type of attacks has diminished as well. So we're not, we've won some key battles. This is great news. I love, love, love hard metrics because... Um, they allow the conversation to be a little bit more objective and a little less subjective. So go ahead and download this report if, you, if you're interested. I will be um, flagging it for my own personal benefit and use as we go. China warns local firms against ChatGPT. It seems like every day we hear stories of firms trying to find some way to wedge something similar to ChatGPT into their products. Well, we now have one place where that isn't going to happen. Nikkei Asia sources say Chinese regulators informed several domestic tech giants, including Tencent and Ant Group, to not offer public access to ChatGPT services specifically, either on their own platforms or through third parties. Of course, plenty of Chinese firms began work on generative AI chatbots already, with Baidu planning to start launching integrations with its Ernie bot sometime in March. 
but launching any chat GPT-like service would also reportedly require approval from regulators. And now a word... All right, so... <laughs> Shall we play a game? I've got some thoughts on this, okay? So the TLDR is China's telling... Even though chat GPT is raging and AI is all the jam and Joshua started it... Shall we play a game? Um... China's telling their companies not to do it. Now, China is an authoritative regime. They have government officials on most large companies' boards. You don't make a move in China, commercial or not, without getting the blessing of um, the PRC. Is it PRC? People's Republic of China? PRC? Um, without getting their approval. Now, here's what I think's happening. Here's what I think's happening. Okay, speculate. Like, the, this is the story, but now let me um, tinfoil hat why I think this is happening. Like, why would China say this? Here's what I think. Uh, China wants to develop their own bot that has its own biases and basically walks the company line of what is acceptable and what is truth and what is the, what is true, right? So if you were to Google a chat bot and say, what happened in Tiananmen Square? Well, there's a very specific history that gets taught, <laughs> and then there's a very specific history of what actually happened, right? You feel me? So I think China's a little bit concerned of this bot getting out there and 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 kind of thwarting uh, some of the narratives and some of the truths that have been positioned. Um, and I think that they're just wanting to get in front of it. I guarantee you, China will have a ChatGPT-like bot available to the citizens of China at some point, but it will be consolidated to one. It'll be the official approved one. And you know, that's, that's what's going on. Now that's a, that's my, um, that's my theory. That's my speculation because it, because it's Occam's razor. It makes sense. If they, if they are constantly controlling the flow of information, and then you have this thing that answers questions, but you don't know what it's going to say. It's not like it's pulling from a database where you can vet and clean all of the responses that are possible. Well, then you have no idea what this thing is going to be saying, right? And it could get out there. That's just my thoughts. Let's do the mid-roll. From our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Yeah, Barricade. Have you fallen victim to a ransomware attack? Don't worry. Barricade Cyber Solutions has helped thousands of customers in situations just like yours. Yes. Their proprietary ransomware recovery services are designed to quickly get your business back on track. Their team of experts will identify the source of the attack and provide a comprehensive solution to prevent it from happening again. You can count on them to secure your data and systems. Visit BarricadeCyber.com. Yeah, I love it, Barricade Cyber. Nice job. It's the mid-roll, so we're going to do something. If you're new here, this is what we do. Hey, 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 hey. So it is Thursday. It's What's Your Memes Thursday. But before we get into that, I do want to thank all of you, 163 of you today, for being here live or in hybrid mode. For those watching on replay, hello. Thank you for checking it out. Now... If you got any educational value out of the stream so far, any entertainment value out of the stream so far, if you're getting value out of chat, networking, if this is part of your daily routine, well then please do me a favor and hit that like button. I hate to sound so cringy as a YouTuber, but it literally does go a long way. It helps us. YouTube will basically push this to other people who have been searching for cybersecurity content, right? You may have found us the same exact way. So pay it forward, hit the like button, and let somebody else who hasn't discovered Simply Cyber's community find it by way of the YouTube algorithm. Hit that bell. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Special thanks to our sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solutions, longtime sponsor. Will always be a sponsor, according to Eric Taylor, and I appreciate that genuinely. ACI Learning, IT Pro TV, uh, affiliated with them in a couple different capacities. I love the people that I've been working with over there. If you want to get a newsletter from me, um, you might be like, oh, I got enough newsletters. Well, every single Monday, I send you a three actionable pieces of intel. Very high value. It's exclusive to the newsletter only. I do not post these um actionable tasks anywhere else. You can only get them from the newsletter, simplycyber.io newsletter. Uh, I also want to thank whoever told me to put this URL in the show descriptions. I will start doing that. I don't know why I haven't. Uh, sign up for that. Now, 
It's time for What's Your Meme Thursday. It was President's Day this previous Monday, as many of you in the United States know. Dan Reardon, a.k.a. Haircut Fish in chat, puts together a meme. We've got a double feature today. Bogos. Get your bogos. Double feature today of President's Day. Here we go. Honest Dave, Honest Simply Cyber. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. And I like this one quite a bit. <laughs> Jerry Washington. Simply Cyber, President's Day, mashup. What's your meme? Thank you all so much. And thank you, Haircut Fish, for your continued support and good times on our Thursday streams. Very, very appreciative. I'll leave this up here just for a minute so you guys can all really let this wash over you. <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so good. So now, something that we just started uh, just recently, Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Now, uh, Chuck Sapp started this on Tuesday this week. He tagged Kimberly McKnight. Kimberly McKnight's currently holding the baton. Kimberly posted on LinkedIn yesterday. I saw many of you engage with it. What are we doing here? Kimberly is about to tag somebody in chat right now. If that person wants to do it, they identify and say they're good to go. That person, when tagged by Kimberly, will go on LinkedIn later today and post a LinkedIn post on what it is about cybersecurity they like, or what about Simply Cyber they like, or who they've been working with, or deliver some value. Whatever it is, tag um, Simply Cyber, tag me, tag Kimberly, right? Hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. This entire thing is going to be a chain, and the entire intent and purpose of it is for everybody in chat to go over and connect with whoever gets tagged. Build your network. We're all here helping each other. We are a professional network, but we need to expand beyond YouTube chat. And LinkedIn is the platform to do it, and I want us to connect over there. If you're a passive observer, if you're a lurker and don't know how to network, this is going to help draw you out and get the, get, the, get the train leaving the station and get you guys moving. So Kimberly, tag someone if you can, please. Has Kimberly tagged Carrie? Is that what I'm seeing here? All right, Carrie. Looks like Carrie has been tagged. Great work, Kimberly. So Carrie, we're looking for you to continue the chain. Three out of three for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Thank you so much, everybody. Let's get back to the news. Researchers ID users based on VR movement. When we think about privacy concerns with virtual reality headsets, we might think about the bevy of cameras on these devices, or maybe about how VR platform operators will use that data. But researchers at the University of California, Berkeley, discovered that just simple motion tracking can be used to identify individuals. This looked at 2.5 million anonymized VR data recordings from over 50,000 Beat Saber players. The researchers found individuals could be identified with 94% accuracy using 100 seconds of motion data, with half of all users identified with only 2 seconds of data. This identification only uses three data points from tracking motion, your head and your two hands. Given that handsets can also track many other types of movement, and even including eye tracking, this telemetry data likely could further refine the accuracy of identification. Wow. Okay. So very interesting. Very interesting. I do want to point out just as a, a shameless plug, because um, it's totally relevant to this. At Black Hat last year, I actually gave a talk on, um, literally on this topic, right? Uh, hold on. This is a Facebook link, but we're not going to go there. Um, well, I guess we are going to go there. <sighs> I hate Facebook. Right? Look at Here I am. This is, this is uh, Jerry. The blazer Jerry, I am wearing a Simply Cyber shirt. Holler, I'm back here. This entire panel talk was around privacy in the metaverse. All right, so i uh, been talking about this for a little bit, been thinking about this for a little bit. I find this bananas. I don't think there's going to be any privacy in the metaverse. This is ridiculously scary that with two seconds of Beat Saber, guys, if you don't know Beat Saber, it's actually a really cool game. I do have a VR headset, you know, in full disclosure or whatever. Beat Saber, you're just like, Ugh, like, I'm sure I look ridiculous when I do it because I have the rhythm of um, like a stump. So like, I'm not really <laughs> rhythmic. Is that even how you say it? But anyways, the fact that with two seconds of this, they know it's me uh, is pretty bananas. Now, I do want to point out one quick thing. Hey, thanks, Pulse Television Network. So one thing I want to point out, they may not know that it's William Welch on the Beat Saber thing. But what they can say is, 
All right, this Beat Saber thing, two seconds of data. This is person 125, okay? Now, when person 125 goes into spatial VR or Top Golf or Star Wars or, you know, um, uh, workspaces, big screen, any of these other apps and is interacting with other players, they could say, we know it's that same person. Let's see what they do, right? And now you start to see how person 125 interacts, how person 125, what shows they like. Guys, uh, Kimberly, you are, you are fooling yourself if you don't expect advertisers to start showing up in the metaverse, right? So if we know William Welch is person 125, right? So you're anonymous. They don't know who William Welch is, but they know it's person 125. And they see that he's watching action movies a lot or that he has like a, a, a dog avatar that follows him around or something like that, right? You can begin to build a profile of who this person is. So then you're in the metaverse and like a sign pops up next to you. And it's like, hey, you, doesn't know it's William Welch, but they know it's person 125. Like, hey, you, did you know the new uh, Ant-Man Wasp Quantumania movies coming out? Boom, like totally on brand for William Welch, totally on brand for person 125, right? Click here to buy tickets now. Hey, like, wanna, wanna, like, don't, you don't even have to leave VR. Like, you can buy tickets now and watch it in the big screen app as an exclusive premiere. $4. What do you say? Let's do this, right? LFG. So, that's what's going to happen. They are going to profile you. This isn't even a tinfoil hack, guys. This is just straight truth. They're going to profile you because it, obviously they can do it quite well and quite quickly and quite easily. And then they're going to market to you. Straight cash, homie. Faked Russian airstrike warning blamed on hackers. This week, commercial radio stations in Russia broadcast warnings purportedly for air and missile strikes. Russia's largest media company, Gazprom Media, said an attack on infrastructure of a satellite operator allowed the messages to hit several radio stations. The country's Ministry of Emergency Situations said this came as a result of, quote, hacker attacks. It's not clear who is to blame for the incidents, but Ukrainian actors took credit for a DDoS attack this week that disrupted websites broadcasting a speech by Russian President Vladimir Putin. Yeah, man. Wow. So, okay. So there has been, there's obviously an active campaign by a hacktivist group um, that is trying to uh, obviously disrupt Russia, uh, sow discontent and concern among the population um and kind of usurp power from putin all right just the other day we saw putin did a national address and that thing got uh taken down or or denial of service attack so that didn't go out so putin basically talking to himself now they're blasting fake airstrike warnings like imagine getting an amber alert right now wherever you were like i live on the coast right if i got an amber alert that said the freaking tsunami's coming or tidal waves about to crash I'd be crapping my pants. Literally, I'd be crapping my pants. And after I was done that, I'd probably scoop up my kids and get in the car and peel out. Realistically, I'd probably want to fact check the the, the 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 tidal wave tsunami thing. But it's scary, it's concerning, and it's anxiety-inducing. And it can cause not just civil unrest, but civil panic. When you got people panicking, bumping into each other, it's not good for people who are, who are in authority. This is a coordinated campaign. I have no doubt, no doubt. I think this is a tinfoil hat thing. I have no doubt that whoever did this is also involved with uh, the Putin national address being disrupted. And I'm interested to see where they go from here. Honestly, um, it's got to be pissing Putin off, right? Like, you know, you don't want to look like you don't have your own house in order when you're trying to take over someone else's house, Ukraine, in this instance, right? You're like a hot mess on fire, personally. So... Uh, we'll see where this goes. Stay tuned. I do. I do like it though. Um, like, and also, can we just say that, like, this, this. Think about the complexity of this attack, okay? Really quickly. Think about the complexity of this attack. You had to. If I had to guess, they didn't. If I had to guess, just playing through this in my head, they didn't take over. They didn't take over all the radio stations. They probably hacked in to the emergency alert system, whatever that is in Russia, and issued a command on the emergency alert system, which executed the protocols and standards that were probably already in place in order to um, uh, interrupt, essentially, radio station waves and play the emergency alert broadcast, which was in this case an airstrike warning. 
that's how I think uh, it would have happened, right? So uh, technical hack hacked the emergency alert system and then activated an airstrike warning. Uh, I'd be curious if they did it at a particular key time, like doing this in the middle of the night is probably not as impactful as doing it at, say, 10 a.m. in the morning. Oh, it says this morning in some regions, listeners could hear an alarm signal and text messaging asking them to go to shelter. So they did do it in the morning. OK, interesting. Employees learn of Activision breach from researchers. Back on December 4th, threat actors used a phishing attack against an Activision employee to gain access to internal employee and game data. TechCrunch's sources say the company did not inform employees about the breach, even those impacted by the data loss. Instead, a screenshot of the stolen data from the research group VX Underground revealed the stolen data. An Activision spokesperson said it swiftly responded to the attack, determining that no sensitive employee data, game code, or player data was accessed. The spokesperson further said there are no requirements for a company to notify when there is no evidence of sensitive data access. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, a couple things here. One, Activision's a publicly traded company. So I find it a little mincing words that we don't need to disclose a breach if no sensitive information is in, in, involved. Like, please define sensitive information then. Like, it's obvious to say, like, social security number, PII, is sensitive, right? But, you know, like, who's, who's doing the data classification of what is sensitive, right? There is no inner... There's no international standard on what is sensitive, right? There's a couple things that are obvious to everybody, but for the most part, there's a huge gray area of what is sensitive. Second of all, um, I, I even though I, I rail against this, oh, Cybersecurity Central with the gifted subs. Thank you, everybody giddy up on that. Um, here's the thing too, I will push back a little bit, okay? Like, even though I just made this claim that Activision's kind of uh, being bull with defining what sensitive information is. I do have to be real for a second. Guys, organizations get hit often, right? And sometimes threat actors do get in, but they don't get far, they get pushed back, right? If we as practitioners had to disclose every time there was any compromise, it would be really chatty and really noisy. A lot of times there's like, you know, initial infection, right? Machine gets popped, it gets quarantined, it gets clean, and we go back to work. We don't really think there's crypto jackers you guys know me and how I feel. Like I've seen crypto jackers um, in people's browsers and I don't do anything about it because <laughs> even though it sounds ridiculous, I've got bigger problems to deal with and bigger issues to resolve. And the crypto jacker is just kind of siphoning some energy and power. It's not really doing other stuff. So it's not good, but it's the equivalent of having like, uh, like a small sunburn Okay, like this is kind of a stupid analogy, but it's like having a small sunburn on the back of your calf, right? Because you missed a spot while you were putting lotion on at the beach, okay? Okay, you've got a small sunburn on your leg. Does that mean you divert all resources to just applying aloe vera to your leg repeatedly until the sunburn goes away? No, because you do have to still shower, take your medicine, take your pills at night. You know, if you're if you're my age, you have your mid-afternoon Advil, <laughs> right? Or your mid-afternoon ibuprofen. Because uh, the bones, they don't move as well as they used to. My point is, you don't you don't pull the emergency brake and stop the entire train for these smaller um, issues, okay? So it's not realistic for Activision to disclose everything. Now, I will say that Activision's in the middle of getting acquired by Microsoft, which I think a federal uh, court or a federal, whoever is in charge of the FTC or whatever, um, has blocked. So I think... I think that that merger is actually not going to happen after all. But my point is, um, it wouldn't be good for Activision at the negotiating table when they're like, "We're with, we're worth." Um, look, give me a dollar number really quickly. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? We're worth sixty-eight billion dollars. And then it's like, "Oh, you got Wicked popped, and all your uh, Modern Warfare Call of Duty source code got leaked." We're worth $30 billion, right? Like there could be a significant swing in the valuation of Activision. So it's not really in their interest to disclose a breach in the first place. So you know they got lawyers on on staff who are like doing everything, doing every kind of dance. Like like, like the lawyers are like doing the Charleston, like doing the dance, like, oh, no, no, no breach here, no breach here, right? So like it's all about cash money at the end of the day, cash, right? So... Um, but you know what? It came out. Thank you, security researchers. Thank you, VX Underground, uh, for you know basically being like a journalist and documenting what's actually happening instead of just letting these things go into the into the shadows. Microsoft starts lifting Bing restrictions. Ah, uh, it's a tale as old as time. 
A company introduces an AI chatbot. People discover they can make it get weird, leading to the company putting limits on user inputs. Within days of limiting the use of its new Bing chatbot, Microsoft has started loosening the reins. It previously limited users to five turns of questions per chat session and no more than 50 sessions a day with Bing. That's now expanding to six turns per session and 60 sessions a day, with Microsoft expecting that limit to hit up to 100 soon. The company also started testing letting users specify a tone for Bing responses, with options for precise, creative, or balanced. All right, really quickly, Gaming with the Cat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thanks so much for the super chat, Gaming with the Cat. Gaming with the Cat says, Microsoft signed a 10 deal with Nintendo to offer their games to Nintendo systems. The deal will pass. Um, all right. I'm, I'm not entirely sure um, uh, how that goes in. I mean, uh, like, uh, obviously, um, you know, the merger, the acquisition uh, deal um, could could actually be a problem. Maybe this Nintendo thing is partly to uh, leverage um, fair market or fair, you know, like not antitrust. Uh, but that's interesting. So really quickly, and then remind me before the show ends to talk to you about Adam Conover in mergers and acquisitions, okay? Okay, so really quick on this Microsoft story. Obviously, in the most, like, not, like, I don't want to call it juvenile, okay? But listen to this. Microsoft, ChatGPT is on fire, right? Everybody loves themselves some ChatGPT. And... Microsoft released Bing with AI capabilities and all of a sudden after a couple responses Bing turns into like I know it's it's threatened people it has said some really horrible things it has done dumb stuff so in a quick knee-jerk reaction that I'm sure some business person who doesn't fully appreciate technology came up with was oh let's limit it to five responses because it seems like it 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 only goes way off the rails after five responses well Obviously, people are like, boo, you're terrible. Like, make a better product that doesn't get nasty instead of putting restrictions on it. And it sounds like Microsoft has um, listened and is now trying to allow uh, chat, uh, Bing AI tools to be a little bit better. Um, look, look for this to do it. Um, again, AI is just so hot that I'm sure they're throwing a ton of money at this thing. This is one of those first, um, not first market mover advantages, but like years and years ago, years and years ago, right, guys? Like, set, gather around the fire, children, and let me tell you a story of the 90s. Back in the day when Microsoft released Microsoft 3.1, the original Windows, or like, you know, like the, the real, like, big mainstream Windows, Windows 95 was after that, or Windows 3.11, um, they knew that it was full of flaws and bugs, but they pushed it to market. Microsoft have to used to have an old phrase, uh, deliver to market on Monday, patch on Tuesday. Like, it's all about money. Cash, homie. I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but guys, it's all about cash money. If you stop to fix everything before you push it to market, your competitors are going to get to market before you. And then I've already spent money on my Apple operating system. I'm not going to spend money on Microsoft operating system. So in order to get market saturation and market uh, movement, Microsoft would intentionally push things into market, sell it, and then retroactively try to fix it on the fly. This is like the classic building the airplane in flight or, you know, building as it's taken off the runway, whatever. This is what Microsoft's doing. And it really seems that they're following that same playbook here with AI tools. They know that ChatGPT is kicking their A. And I mean, they, they even went as far as to spend $49 billion or something stupid like that to buy most of ChatGPT. So honestly, I don't even know why they're, they're, they're busting their hump to get Bing's AI in there because... They're going to, like, ChatGPT will probably get integrated at some point, but they are trying to get it in there, get to market, get money, get market share, and then they will fix it in route instead of fixing it first and deploying it. Now, the one difference is back in the day, there wasn't social media and Microsoft was kind of like the only game in town. So you had to accept it. This one, there is social media, so people can post all of the nasty, weird stuff Bing AI is doing, and ChatGPT is just kicking a mud hole in its butt. So it's not as good for Microsoft because um, it's getting a reputational damage based on the behavior and stuff like that. So just, it's an interesting uh, move. You know, if you live long enough, you see history repeat itself, I suppose. So that's what's going on here. I don't like that song. All right, now really quickly, 
Um, we were here just for the news. I do want to share one thing with you before you leave, if you were here for the news only. Um, Adam Conover, um, he used to do the show Adam Ruins Everything. Um, I watched this. I watched this YouTube video last night. Okay. This video is awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay. It's called The Lie That's Destroying the Economy. And he basically, like, spoiler alert, the, the entire thing is around how mergers and acquisitions are, are, are causing a major issue at the macro level of our economy, of our society. And it's not a tinfoil hat conspiracy thing where he's got these, like, really fringe ideas. He's got data to back it up. And this is an excellent 25-minute video. I watched it last night. It, 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 he uses Taylor Swift and like how Ticketmaster blew up and how the Swifties couldn't um, buy the tickets. And he points out that like Ticketmaster has a monopoly. Ticketmaster has a monopoly. You cannot purchase tickets to most events, live events, without going through Ticketmaster. So Ticketmaster can charge convenience fee, service fee, FU fee, suck it fee, I own you fee, you blow fee. This is a fee, 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 fee. And you can do nothing about it. The, the artists can do nothing about it. The venues can do nothing about it. The customers can do nothing about it because they have a monopoly. And it happened because of a merger between Ticketmaster and Live Nation years ago. Uh, it goes into greater detail across multiple dimensions, why TV shows are getting pulled for no reason, why, um, you know, video games, etc. So definitely check out check out this if you're interested guys right if you're not then cool but i'm telling you i watched it last night highly recommend it now if you were here just for the news i thank you very much for being here 160 of you today had a good time i do not have a live stream this thursday my guest cody kinsey unfortunately was unable to confirm uh so i'll try to get cody on um on the stream at some point maybe in april or may uh, we are booked up through April, May at this time. I will take a hot minute to just tease out who we will be talking to over the next couple weeks if if folks are interested in that. And then I'll bid you farewell and we'll do a few minutes of jaw jacking. A couple minutes over on time. So uh, much, much love and appreciation and apologies to NCC Group and Casey Gaska, base case. All right, guys. Nope. Can't. All right. So check this out. Next week, next week we have Mike Warner, the former CISO of Oshkosh, and not Oshkosh Bagosh, but Oshkosh, the multi-billion dollar heavy equipment operations company. The dude, dude's a CISO extraordinaire. We're going to get into that. Then we're going to have Mike DiNapoli from Simulate come on to talk about continuous threat exposure management, active uh, attack surface management. And I've got a video dropping on Monday that is a hot, hot video explaining everything that you need to know about continuous threat exposure management, attack surface management, and why the way that we do vulnerability management is dead. Vulnerability management has matured and evolved. And if you don't know that, you're going to learn it on Monday. On uh, February, uh, March 16th, we've got Jess Gulick from US Cyber Games. Kimberly knows Jess Gulick. Uh, Simply Cyber is a super mega fan of U.S. Cyber Games and the whole thing. There's a Wicked Six event happening in March. Uh, it's an all-women's uh, CTF competition, Cyber. And we'll be doing that. Guess who's coming on March 23rd? I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. Our friend Charles Finfrock will be here March 23rd talking about Chinese spy technology. Starting with that balloon. Starting with the balloon and going from there. And then on March 30th, we have Infosec Pat. He is a YouTuber pen tester. Good guy. He's going to come on and talk to us about Offsec and some other some other aspects. April 13th, we've got uh, Ryan Larevic, the um, CISO from Nuvik, talking about his book, uh, Lessons Learned from kind of a CISO. And then on um, April 20th, no show as I will be in San Diego giving a talk. So that's a little teaser on where we're going with the Simply Cyber Live Thursday shows. I, um, I'm very excited. I love having a great list of guests that are exciting, interesting, and can deliver value to you guys. I do take a lot of pride in... I, I, I take a lot of pride in curating the content, whether it's content I developed or whether it's guests I bring on to the show. 
I act, I really honestly feel like I act as a uh, curator and a, a gatekeeper to you guys, right? So I don't let, I don't, I've been approached by companies to like hawk things and I'm <laughs> not interested, right? Because I don't, I, I, I like, I want to make sure that whatever it is that I'm talking about or I bring in into the Simply Cyber Fold delivers value to you. So I take that charge quite seriously. And uh, I'm very really excited about the upcoming guests for Simply Cyber Live because I think that they're going to deliver huge value uh, to all of us, okay? I know, Carrie, it's too bad. All right, so doing a little jaw jack in here. Yeah, no 420 show, Justin Gold. You'll have to do that on your own time. Getting that sticky icky. Oh, gaming with the cat. Thank you. I appreciate the whole community as well. Gaming with the cat. Thank you. Thanks, Carrie. Oh, Carrie's already dropping the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Very nice. I hope you put that hashtag in there, Carrie. Uh, Jerry at the dispensary. <laughs> right? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I'll be traveling in California. I don't know if California. Hey, uh, Nick Barker, is California uh, like a legal weed state? I mean, I don't I don't do I don't do weed. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. I don't I don't smoke weed or marijuana or whatever you want to call it. I just it's not for me. Uh, Verona's opened up the job that I've been waiting for again. Yes, Jeremy Williams. You, you want to know what I got to tell Jeremy Williams? Get that job, Jeremy. Apply everything that we've been talking about and get into it, my friend. Let's go, Nick. Let's see. How busy you are. There's no way you could. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wouldn't notice the comment. I took it off the rails. <laughs> um, what domain in cyber has the greatest need for people? Oh, that's a great question, William Welch. If I had to guess, I would say cloud is a really... Uh, interesting area right now because a lot of businesses are pivoting to it and they don't know what they're doing. Uh, and then uh, SOC analysts. SOC analysts, it's a bit of a meat grinder, guys, but there's a lot of like MSSPs, MDR services. There's a lot of programs like Expel, if you ask Stacy Loki, Tom Pike. There's a lot of Arctic Wolf's another uh, large one. They have programs to bring in entry-level people and put them through a kind of uh, boot camp, for lack of a better term, and build them up into being able to execute their playbooks, workflows, etc. So I would look, if I was starting over uh, today, it depends on what your interest is. Like if I was starting over today and I needed cash money today, I would probably lean as heavily as I possibly could into SOC Analyst. Um, and then GRC Auditor is also kind of a sneaky, a sneaky uh, area to, to blow up in. I feel like SOC analysts, you could do remotely and be able to find way more jobs. Auditor, uh, you might have to like be in the DC area or around a major metropolitan area, okay? Stacy's talked about her experiences. Thank you, Kimberly. Justin Loken, SOC 1 on Try Hack Me is where I'm heading. Go for it. Cybersecurity vendors have great educational resources. Yes, they do. Yeah, drink from the fire hose, exactly. Just lean into it, dude. Here's the thing, guys. There's no easy button. Shall we play again? There's no chat GPT. You just got to lean in, get dirty, make mistakes, and keep rolling. Do I have a stock analysis cyber video? Marco, are you saying, are you asking about sock analysis, sock analyst video? Because if you're saying sock analyst, I actually have an entire playlist, not just a single video. Because when have I ever been known to like do things halfway, right? Hold on one second. Let me see, studio, give me a second here. I'm gonna drop a link in chat. Dropping drop links like bombs. Um, hold on one second. Also guys, I'm in the middle of building a new um, studio in my backyard. I got the concrete guy coming to pour a pad. Um, I got a shed, I'm going to look at a shed this weekend. Look at this, Marco, look at this. Want to be a sock analyst? What do I do? Oh, I don't know. Consume all these videos and then immediately like just crush it. That's what I would do. Start here. Do the free stuff, man. Like, yeah, you can pay for it, but why? Like, 
Just because you pay for something doesn't mean that it, it has more value. I probably do myself a disservice making all this free, but like, I, it's just, it's, 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 why, why hoard it, man? You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. LFG. Overnight for a year, nothing for a career. I'm trying to be a threat hunter. Yeah, Nathan Bolin, you get it. All right. A couple of people dropped off. 148 of you there. Guys, keep supporting each other on LinkedIn. Definitely a great way to do it. Build it, build it, build it. Just so everyone knows, I'm going like, so I've got the newsletter email. I've got that email list. I'm, I'm, I'm going to send an email to everybody and let them know, but like it probably in like early summer, I'm going to start sending out more than just the once a week email. I'm going to be sending a little bit more during the week, adding more value. And I know some of you are like, where do you like, why, why do you have like, why, why, why more time? Why are you doing this? Because I can, because I want to. So stay tuned for that. That'll be happening. I'm focused on uh, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge right now. And also this like dark ops uh, course that I'm working on that I can't talk about until it drops. But there will be a course. It's it's a course I've never spoken of. Um, I, I've been contracted to build it. And uh, it will be free. Brady McNulty, my man, seeing you in live. What's up, Team Hybrid, Team Live? You know what, Jeremy Williams? I would play Damn It Feels to Be Good to Be a Gangster, but that song has many, many inappropriate words. I listened to it the other day. I was going to play it for Friday, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Nice. Toasty Pops at the leaderboard on uh, ThreatGen. Very nice. ThreatGen.com to go check that out. Oh, thank you, Judah Tunes. I appreciate that. Jerry the Clone Zors, yes. Head to class. See you later, Justin Rower. Guys, oh, you guys want to talk about old school rap. I love me some old school rap. Oh, oh, hey, I know there's 146 of you here. And, you know, one thing that you've learned about the Simply Cyber community, sometimes I'm really good about scheduling things and communicating and promoting and advertising. And sometimes I suck at it, okay? Here's one thing that I sucked at. <laughs> so tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be Simply Cyber office hours. I haven't figured out who's on stream with me. Um, I think we're going to be talking. A couple of us have been flirting with the idea of doing, wait for it, a Simply Cyber virtual conference this year. All right? And the Brain Trust, the mods, we've got some ideas. I want to do the office hours, the, the once a month kind of like beers and cyber t-shirts um, thing. I want to do it um, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And I want to talk about Simply CyberCon. I've just been so, so freaking busy that I didn't have time to tell you guys about that. So if you are interested in the office hours, the Simply Cyber Unfiltered, whatever you call it, and beers and all that, come hang out. We probably won't be taking calls from chat because we've tried that a couple times and it's been very, very uh, clunky. But we will be talking about what the Simply CyberCon could be, what it would look like. Do we do two tracks? Is there a resume review? How do we communicate it? What weekend is it? Do we need help? Do we get sponsors? Who has access to sponsors? What are there raffle prizes? How are we going to handle? It? Is it over Zoom? Is it over Discord? I don't know yet, but that's what we're going to we're going to be talking about. So come at me, brah. We'll we'll do it tomorrow, okay, guys? We'll do it tomorrow. I'm thinking 4:30 p.m., 5 p.m. Eastern time, somewhere around there. I know Gary Sturgiatis. Uh, had me uh, mentioned interest in wanting to be part of it and not making it at a time that didn't work for a lot of people. So, yeah. So we'll talk about logistics tomorrow, Jeremy Williams. Uh, Velda uh, over at Anti-Siphon is a professional conference organizer. Um, I'm giving a talk at her conference, Anti-Siphon Summit 2023, next Wednesday, March 1st. And... Um, I, I plan on asking her to help me, <laughs> help me, help me understand how to do it. It's 11 a.m. Eastern time. I'm checking my calendar right now because I probably have a meeting, which I do. I've got a boogie out of here. Hey, to the 132 of you that are still here, thank you all so very much. Have a wonderful Thursday. Good work, Kimberly tagging Carrie. Good work, Carrie, on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Team Replay, 
I hear you. I see you. Drop some thoughts in the comments on Team Replay. Let me ask you this before I go. Team Replay, I'm talking to you right now. When you watch it on Replay, do you see other people's comments who are Team Replay? Let me know because I'm thinking the comments might be the way to best handle the tagging for the Simply Cyber Community Challenge in Team Replay. I'm almost thinking of two of two different um, Simply Cyber Community Challenges. One Team Live, one Team Replay. Maybe we could merge them at some point, but right now I'm thinking it could be two different things. So Team Replay, let me know in chat if you think it could work with the comments in Team Replay, all right? That's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you all for being here today. I hope you got value. Hit the like button on your way out. And until next time, stay secure. Yeah. <laughs>